Welcome to Movies, Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 97. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. Uh, each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we have seen with Charles that he hasn't seen. This week, we watched the 1997 movie Contact. So, Charles, tell us about it. Contact stars Jodie Foster as an astronomer. She works for SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and she listens for signals from potential extraterrestrial life. And after many years of fruitless searching, she finally finds a signal that appears to indicate that there's an extraterrestrial entity contacting us. And that causes a big stir in the world. They figure out how to decode it. They realize that there's schematics hidden in the signal. They build what is, what is like designed in the schematic and it turns out to be some sort of transport device. And she ends up going into it, seeing some aliens who have taken the form of her deceased father. And they tell her that the, they're like a big society of the different alien races. They get elevated into this like galactic society, um, but that humanity's not ready yet, and they'll take some time and you know bring them in eventually. And uh, then she gets whisked back, but it looked like she had just fallen through the machines, so nobody believes that she had actually like gone out there. Yeah, and it kind of ends about there. Yeah, and it turns out I don't want to get, yeah, right, don't wanna yeah, get too detailed uh, about everything. <clears throat> right. Uh, this was my pick. It was to do contact. I think I wanted to just we we needed a film in this category of sci-fi. I think if we're going to talk about yeah, sci-fi like movies, quite contemplative. Well, yes, that, um, and also like the, the hard sci-fi, right? Like, because if you want to put sci-fi into really broad categories, there's like the fantastical, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, and ET, which we did last week, style of sci-fi that's really more popular and what most people think of when they think of sci-fi and then there's the hard sci-fi that actually projects what technology could possibly do in the future and I think this movie is relatively close to that type um, so you'll see that and here you'll see primer I think is pretty close to hard sci-fi like they're concerned with the actual mechanics of how the technology functions and how mm -hmm. it functions in the world um, Blade Runner to a certain extent um, and I think this shows up in sci-fi literature more often than it shows up in cinema yeah um, yeah they can they go have more detail. Because they have a lot more space <laughs> yes, yeah. to talk about exactly how this stupid little thing operates. Um, so I think this movie does that. Uh, this is also one that I just wanted to come back to, and I wanted to see how it played after Arrival. Because I think that the most the, there's a very direct lineage between Contact and Arrival with Amy Adams that came out last, last year, 2016. I think it was 2016. Something like Recently. that. Recently, yeah. Um, and th those movies clearly have a lot in common. Yeah. And I loved Arrival. I thought it was really good. Um, so I was curious to see like how well this movie aged after, after watching Arrival. Um, so th those are the, the big reasons, I think, and that I remember liking it. Like I just remember liking this movie when I saw it back in, back in when I saw it. Uh, what do you think of this one, Crossman? I, I love this movie. Yeah? I read, um, <clears throat> I read the book. Okay. When I was much younger, and um, saw the movie in theaters, and did you? Yeah, I did not see it in theaters. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was. It's great. It's a great story. Yeah, um, Sagan surprisingly like good writer. That is surprising. I haven't read the book, so I'll take your word for it. Did he do the any writing for the movie as well? Uh, I think he died like right before the movie oh, was right. finished. Or I didn't look that up. That makes I, sense. I don't know, but he was like. I think he had cancer and was mm -hmm. like not doing well when the movie was like in production and then died before it like. Yeah, it they, they gave I him like in, look in memory of what? in the Carl. credits. Yeah, yeah, they get, yeah, he, he is the Carl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, or he might have died even well before the movie came out. But I don't. 
don't know. I don't. I don't think he was like heavily involved in, sure. the, in the development. But he wrote the book. It's based on. Yes. Right. Same title. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because he's like a, just kind of like a PBS TV show host and like, uh, you know, he's a writer. He's like well-known scientist. Mm -hmm. And but he's like the yeah. public face of science. Yeah, he really was, and yeah. astronomy specifically. Science hype man. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> so, he's the Neil deGrasse Tyson of his era. I or like less of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like a much better Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he. he played a similar role, and Neil deGrasse Tyson has very explicitly modeled his career after mm -hmm. Carl Sagan. Oh, yeah, he's like directly acknowledged it. Yeah, yeah. Like he wants to be And they, the next they knew each other, and yeah, like they were acquainted. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of this one, Charles? Uh, I really love like the story of the movie. I, I'm really intrigued by the kind of ideas that they talk about, uh, where you know we do get contacted by an alien, and mm -hmm. I love the process of them figuring out <coughs> Uh, how to decipher the signals. You know, that's the kind of stuff I loved in Arrival, too, that you compare it to. Um, yeah, and I always love, like, these stories about how people might react to this kind of thing happening and, like, what the result of it might be. You know, like, here we encounter the aliens and they talk about, like, a transport network designed by a race much older than us. It's very Mass Effect-y, <laughs> right? That's what, I, that's what I thought of, too. Yeah, this is yeah. The plot of it's, Mass a, it's a pretty common sci-fi trope, but I always love hearing these kinds of stories. Um, so for these reasons, like I really liked this movie. Now I I do admit that I had a lot of problems with the movie. Um, there were lots of things that it was doing that I didn't like, but my love of those plot elements um, was enough to like kind of overcome that and leave me with a very positive feeling well, uh, with good. the movie after the movie. Okay, I, I'm glad to hear that from the both of you because I was prepared to start this episode like with an apology because I did not like this movie this yeah. time around. Really? I was really surprised. <laughs> like I was massively let down. I thought it didn't survive arrival at all. Like it feels like arrival yeah. just like fixed everything that this movie does badly and like everything oh. it does well it does better. Like I was stunned. Like I was watching it, I was like, when does it get good again? And it just didn't for me. <laughs> like I yeah. th this is the first time like where I've picked a movie and just except for Lost in Translation, I guess, but um the second time, or I picked a movie and just like it didn't hold up for me at all. Like I was really bummed. I yeah. I found it like pretty charming. I like all yeah. the like the mystery, like all the little mysteries that they like figure out. It's I, like an escape yeah, room almost. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. the best part of the movie, and yeah. like that's that. what it should have been, right? And like that's what I remembered watching when I was thinking back to it before I watched it this time. I remembered the thing with like they had to get the three sheets together and create like the yeah. the map that or the schematics that way. I remember that being really cool. Yeah. I remember like the prime number thing. Yeah. And, like, th like that stuff still works really well, I think. But I did not remember as clearly all the like really sophomoric religious talk. Like the the the, the right. science versus religion. So those discussion. Are, that was that was one of my big problems with the movie. It, it just yeah. felt kind of annoying and it, it it wasn't really a fair or accurate comparison. It was it, it felt like a, a freshman philosophy class. And like she's and she's in the hearing at the end and they keep going, <clears throat> Oh, so uh you, you want us to have faith in you, huh? Uh, huh? huh? Get it? Huh? Yeah, right. And well, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's yeah. when the movie's at its most like Sorkin. Yes. And, and I think the comparison to the West Wing is like very apt to this movie. Uh, I agree. Like, but Sorkin writes better dialogue. Right? Like the, the dialogue here is so clunky and overbearing. He? Yes. Like it, it, it's, it's, he is clever, right? Like he does his, it's not plausible, right? Like neither, the, sure. the way Sorkin writes is not how people talk. Yeah. But it, it's engaging and it, it moves and it is clever and makes you feel smart when you're watching it. Even, this doesn't do anything. Even down to the fact that they have Rob Blow. 
Yeah, yeah that's true. Who Briefly. is on the West Wing? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, he's here and for like two James Wood is, Woods is the like token like bad Republican senator. Right. Yeah. And, although it's not clear, like, because he's supposed to be head of security at the beginning of the movie, and then at the end of the movie, he's a senator <laughs> or like a House guy or something. Right. Was did he run for office in between there? <laughs> no, he's part of like a House investigation committee, or which would be. But he's he's meant to be like person. a Ken Starr kind of I investigator. Guess. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a special prosecutor or something. But it did strike me as like very nineties. Oh yeah. Uh, and the allusions to the West Wing, I think, clue that. Even though West Wing is like an early aughts document, mm -hmm. it, this movie felt very 90s. Yes. Like its concern with religion versus science felt like a very 90s discussion. It, it felt like a lot of questions that we are now have pretty comfortable answers to, or at least like more interesting questions. Like, yeah. What this movie was presenting really just feels so baseline to me. And it, it's not presented in a way that was engaging, like with with that aspect of it, which was a lot of the movie. Like it was, a, they returned to that theme over and over right. again. That's why I had to say the stuff I love, like yeah. so overweighed this stuff. Right. Because right? it let me kind of ignore this stuff a little bit. Yeah. Because in terms of screen time, the science versus religion material is very well represented. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of it, um, and I think that also comes back to the McConaughey character just being awful. I think that character sucks. Yeah, he, I don't... He shouldn't be in the movie. I don't get the... Well, there, his... As far as I can tell, the, the reason that he's in the movie is to show that, like, religion has a good side. Sure, like, there so, are reasons... Because he's not the people. Rob Lowe character. Yeah. Or the uh, uh, Jake, uh, Jake Busey character. Right. The, like, religious terrorist, yeah. essentially. Uh-huh. Uh, which felt... That part felt more relevant to the McConaughey discussion, right? Like the like <clears throat> the like having to deal with like a right wing extremist is like much more contemporary than like yeah. a reasonable religious person, right? Like, right, because the the reasonable religious person isn't the problem, right? <laughs> right. No. Well, yeah, all those people be like are now no longer religious, right? right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> or if they are, they're like spiritual. Yeah. Like if their their Tinder bio says like I'm spiritual, but, like <laughs> not religious. Yeah, and that's like McConaughey's like role. Yeah, and that's right? clearly the, the track he's going on. In or he's meant to be like a. Well, he's he's like a White House like faith advisor, right? Like that, yeah, and all the people who like were that like the Falwells. Right or whatever turned out to be the like Jake Busey character <laughs> yes. in, in real life. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, I mean, once yeah. Bush was elected, right? Like that was you. See, I mean, you saw that more in the popular stage once once Bush was elected. He brought those people into the spotlight. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, and, and now we're like run by those. That's people. the entire. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and now it's like. You know, have the Senate. Right. This is the Jake Busey character. And so maybe that's maybe that's yeah. it. Is like looking at this movie now. These arguments feel trivial because, like, there are so many bigger things going on politically. And so like, McConaughey and and our, our hero arguing about whatever it is that they're arguing about just feels so weightless. I just feel like it's silly to bring up all this religious stuff when you get contacted by an like, alien <laughs> civilization, right? Like, I feel like that wouldn't even be in the conversation. Yeah, but you have to imagine, like, in the 80s when this was written, like, 99% of the country identifies as, like, religious. Yeah, I guess so. And even <coughs> into like, the oh, 90s... Is this, is this a signal from God? Yeah, right. even into uh, the 90s, that's fallen off, like, only a few percentage points. Yeah, and then, like, I only was, in the past, like, 
10 years is that like cratered. I was very yeah. surprised when they interviewed her for the like sending mm -hmm. one person out and they said 95% of people believe in God and I was like that doesn't feel right. Yeah. And it, I looked it up but I guess things have changed since it's, then. I'm for sure it was true at the time. Yeah. Yeah, cuz yeah. and Sagan is like you know, very thoughtful about what he's he's writing. Mm -hmm. He he might be puffing the number up a little bit just for like context of the movie or story but Yeah. Well, do you remember if this religious uh, conflict was in the book as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, this, I wouldn't be surprised. The, it's, the, it's a, I mean, it's, it's always a separate document, but <laughs> this movie is very close to what the book was. Yeah, like, this is like a very accurate depiction. I, of the I guess what I wonder is how yeah. it was handled in the book and if it comes exactly to any, like, better conclusions or more interesting. No, it's, it's handled exactly <laughs> the same <laughs> as this right. movie. Does yeah. it have the romance? I, that I forget. Because that was straight trash. It's been like... <laughs> It's been yeah, like, like 20 yeah. years since I Why read the book. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that felt, that's another moment where it felt very 90s. Where I, yeah. I, I feel like more movies have learned that you don't need to shoehorn a dumb a romance plot into every movie. We still haven't and fully learned that lesson. No, certainly not. But, man, like that well, was gibberish. What I liked about it, and I thought you would like about it, and maybe you, you do like this about the movie, is that the major theme of this movie is how <coughs> the, like how strong the patriarchy is in effect. Sure. Where <laughs> at every moment she's blocked by yeah. less the, qualified men. Yeah, the, the Sarah yeah. character embodies that. And McConaughey I'm, too. Yeah. Because he's, he's selfishly like because he is attracted to her blocks her ability to that, That's his moment of redemption though. Right? Like, that's how the movie pitches that. Well, later he apologizes. Right. And that's, like, his moment of redemption. When he tells her, oh, I did it to protect you, not because I don't think you you can do it. Yeah, and she should have, like, told him to fuck up. Right, and he yeah. doesn't, and the yeah. movie doesn't engage with that at all. Right. It, right, which is... But th that's, again, yeah. where it feels very 90s. And yes. 80s, where it's, like, being written from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's, like, there's a, yeah, redemption in characters that don't deserve it. Right. Another and, thing and, that, that bothered me was, so you talked earlier about... The kind of like puzzle-like <coughs> satisfaction of solving the signal stuff. Yeah, right? that was the best part of the movie. But the problem was that she doesn't even get that final revelation. Like the random like rich dude in the sky yep. invites her up and tells her the solution. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like she probably could have figured that out. Yeah. She doesn't need. They don't need to write in this random guy to give her this, right? And then later, <clears throat> when like the first machine gets destroyed, this guy has to come and save her again, and then like put her into the mission, right? So like. Yes. It's all like his responsibility and not hers, and I thought that was awful. No, I think that's I had exactly the same critique. I think you're dead on the money there. It's like it has like this bizarre pro corporate politic at the core of it, right? Like, well, we still like a rich have dude. that. Yeah, we, yeah. I, mean, we, the, the, I mean, population at large like still believes in that. Like, they think that like Elon Musk is going to save us, right? Even though he's like a government contractor. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the clear modern <laughs> parallel is like this guy's a Musk that's not a child. Although um, it's kind of engaging with, like, not in a clever way, but right. it, it's showing that, like, government spending on private projects, like, is a waste of money. Uh, <laughs> it's very explicit about that. Yeah, it's very explicit about it, which but, I like. I think that's a good message. Uh, but I, the message still, to me, yeah. feels like the corporation will come in and save the day. They're more competent yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and capable than everybody else. Yes. Right? Like, you, we, need we a, have, you need, like, you, a rich guy to advance yeah. society. Yeah, exactly. And, like, his eccentricities and his consumption is worth it because he is going to give society with this great thing, and only he is able to do it. Yeah. And that's just, you know, corporate fascism, 
right? Like that is but, precisely what they're You know, at the moment of this movie in 1997, like, we're flying high on tech. It, right. Like, tech I, is I understand like, how they got there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, like Microsoft's enormous at the time. Uh, you know, Apple's starting to... We're still to, flying pretty high on tech now. Yeah. Right, but the, like we're starting to see at least some political blowback. Like people have figured out that Elon Musk is a is a dumbass, and and, right? the, and the tech crash like hasn't happened yet. Whereas yeah. like I think people are like still pretty high, and like like now I think everybody kind of mis mistrusts tech. Correct. In yeah, like in the back of your minds, it's always like, well, 1999 could like happen again. Right. Well, and, and we have seen and it hasn't happened yet for this. Like Facebook ruined the entire election. Right, like every election, right? Like we've we've started to see more overtly the downside of it, and mm -hmm. so yeah, I think uh, looking yeah. at this movie from a 2018 lens, like that politic is more obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did think the movie was a bit, still a bit ahead of its time, and it's like gender politics because it very. I think it's very good about showing her getting blocked at every moment. Yeah, and you, you know what other yeah. movie did this with yeah. Jodie Foster that came out a couple years earlier? Yeah. Sounds of the Lambs. Mm. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Sounds of the Lambs is she plays like the same character basically. But this is like the and, corporate version of it, Sounds of the Lambs, right? So. And and they still cast her. Like I didn't like her character that much in here. Like they cast her as kind of spazzy and like they she's always like running up to people and like yelling about things, and I, I, I feel like she didn't have the self-possession that she had as Clarice in, in what Sons of the Lambs. What do you mean by that? Like, there was, like, if you compare her to her character in, in Sons of the Lambs, I think that with Clarice you could see more control and more, like, awareness of her surroundings. Sure. Like that, and because of that you were able to more, I don't know, with more nuance to draw out exactly the effect that it had on her. Whereas I think the the Ellie, what's her name? I think it's Ellie, yeah. Yeah, yeah Eleanor, Ellie. I, I feel like she was just kind of either stating the problem in very unsubtle specific, or unsubtle broad ways, or just like storming up to Tom Sarek and saying, why are you doing this thing that I don't like? And to me that is, a lot less I thought, subtle. I thought it was fitting for her character, like to compare this one and the other one, because in yeah. Silence of the Lambs, she's like an FBI agent, right? Right. And she's supposed to be like very professional and calculated and that kind of thing, right? That's the kind of character you yes. hire for the FBI. Um, but here <coughs> she's like kind of a mad scientist, I guess, right? She's driven by her passion for her project, and it fits for her to be this kind of like, like firebrand of a personality. Yeah, I, 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 w I wanted to see more of that what you're describing I think I read it as almost unhinged some of the time like I don't yeah. know like this character didn't feel as tightly written as as Clarice I did. mean I think that's like Sagan as like a populist writer yeah. where well, like things are simple and like the ideas are very big and like it, you know, there's not like a lot of as much nuance to this no nuance movie in, as there's no nuance yeah, yeah, movie. <laughs> yeah like it is all right there yeah, yeah it, it, I don't think Sagan is really that much of a storyteller. Like, I don't think that he has had any training in it, as far as I can tell. He just knows how to put together a good sentence and like the structure of this movie, and like especially the, the arc of the characters and things, like really, they're playing pretty fast and loose. Yeah. And I think you see that in her character, and especially in her relationship with 
the McConaughey character, which again makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Utter, utter nonsense. I, I like though how the like the older science guy like always gets credit for things because it Until illustrates like yeah. it illustrates like so <clears throat> well like yeah. That, I really like the shot where she's standing toxic. next to the TV and he appears on the TV screen to like answer for the interview. Yeah, that was yeah when they're like and the person who discovered it yeah, and she's exactly. like stepping yeah, forward right, yeah. and then it's like that, that, that guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom Selleck, right? Sarek. Sarek. Not Selleck. Not Selleck. Sarek. Yeah. yeah. They, they even look similar. Yeah, I know. Right? Yes. Yeah. Old men with mustaches. Yeah. Um, th I think that's one of the most clear visual motifs in this movie is that there's cameras or screens or televisions in nearly every shot. Yeah. And mirrors. A lot of like trick mirror shots. Too. Yes. Yeah. They do a lot yeah, of those. There's a lot of shots where you see the action through the television screen. Yes. And it's kind of like... You're like facing away from it as much as possible, mm -hmm. but you're seeing it on the screen. I thought that was an interesting <clears throat> yeah. mechanic. Yeah, and I like the the technique and I like the use of it. I wish that they were engaging with it more directly, right? Mm -hmm. Because like this movie is thematically moving in so many directions, right? Because it's talking about science versus religion. It's talking about patriarchy. It's talking about the nature of communication. It's talking about the you know philosophy of science and things like that. That it feels like. A lot of them get short shrift, but like that idea of how we, how technology impacts our means of communicating with one another, which is really what they're showing over and over again, is like our communication devices. Like that feels like there was a lot of fertile ground that kind of went untilled. Um, yeah, which is a shame because it was there in the visual presentation of the film. Uh, so it, it felt like a missed opportunity, but I don't know. Maybe somebody else got more out of it than I did. I, I like that this is this is not a disaster movie, right? It's it's very Sagan esque in that it's like super helpful. Like <laughs> yes, that's like, true. They're also very nineties in that respect. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, things are going great. Things it's nineteen ninety seven, right? Yeah. Bill Clinton's in the movies now. We're not at war, like at <laughs> yeah. all. Anyway. Right. For, I mean, I guess we're launching missiles at like Serbia, but right or Serbia, Yugoslavia, or whatever. Yes. Um, but yeah, you're right, there's a hopeful tone, and, and, and that's why people have so much time to have congressional hearings about whether or not the specific scientist believes in God. <laughs> like, yeah. This is the shit that we're, we're worried about now. Um, so yeah, the, I, I agree, it does have that, that hopeful It was very class. refreshing in that sense. Right. It, like every <clears throat> sci-fi movie is like so dour. I thought Arrival like, was pretty hopeful. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. And I think that... It was, but it's also about, like, loss and, like, yeah. Yeah, it had some depressing yeah. stuff about her loss and, like, the inevitability of it and all that, yeah. right? But it also had, like, the world uniting in the end and not, like, well, destroying the, the aliens. It, right, that, that the answer in Arrival is to not do violence. Yeah. Right, like, that's, yeah, exactly. that's the heroic moment is when they decide to not do violence. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that was really good. What I was reminded of here, tonally, was The Martian. Right, like this. This felt in in terms of like that hopeful. Oh, it's like a thing. yay science. Right, right. Like if you, if everybody works yeah. together, uh -huh. we can accomplish this great task. Yeah. Right, like that. I think was here a lot. I, the Martian did it even more clearly because there's no villain in that movie. <laughs> like everybody is on board immediately. Right. With the, like the villain is the cold danger of the universe. Yeah, Mars is the villain. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and this movie, like you have the Tom Selleck character, you have there's not Selleck, Sarah character, <laughs> um, and you have uh, Woods being playing the antagonist and uh, Jake Busey. And yes, and Jake Busey. Yeah. Um, 
and whereas Martian is that we don't need an antagonist. Well, it's like extremism is like the enemy here, e right? Yeah. And and like shutting yourself off from different modes of communicating with one another, right? Like the the the, the folks that are isolating themselves are mm -hmm. the ones that are losing, um, or that are the antagonists. Um, which again goes back to the communication theme. So great, like that. Yeah, that works. I, I like a lot of the minor characters in this movie. Um, I like the like <clears throat> kind of surfer dude bro scientist. Yeah. He's yeah. really good. Yes, I agree. Uh, he, he only has like a handful of lines in the movie, but they're all like very funny. Mm -hmm. And the, well, you have that guy, you have the blind yeah. guy who like has like a third of his lines are about him smelling things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it felt a little, uh, you know, not great to me. Um, and there's somebody else. The uh, Smallwood, what the hell's his name? The, that character actor that's in everything. And he's like the mission control dude in this movie. Um, yeah. Um, Smallwood Tucker, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, he was good. He's always good. He just is playing himself. Um, so yeah, it's a huge cast. There's so many people in this movie. Again, it's like very yeah. uh, West Wing. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like it's an ensemble. It's the, including the There's president. Like so many like moving pieces. Yeah, including Bill Clinton. Wait, did he actually record that scene? No. I, I don't think so. They, they so, don't mention any specifics about the movie in his dialogue. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think what happened was <laughs> that they like falsely announced that they had like maybe found bacteria on rocks from Mars. Oh. And they just like took that like actual announcement <laughs> and recut it into this movie. That's funny. Yeah. That's yeah. clever. That, that is clever. And then they just did some like CGI tricks to have like Clinton like at that long table next to like all the actors. Right. Yeah. Which is only well, like, one I mean, or two I shots. Yeah. I I think I only saw him appear in the TV screen yes. like the whole movie. Yes. I always yeah. cut away from him when he was talking to a TV screen. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah they did pull that footage from elsewhere. But could you imagine? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. sitting president shows up in some movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then we we had a lot of newscasters too because Wolf Blitzer was in this one. Yeah, Larry King, um, uh, Rivera. What's his name? Geraldo. Her yeah, Geraldo yes. Rivera and his mustache. Um, <laughs> Just, yeah, you look at the IMDb page, and it's just this huge list as himself. As well, himself. those are all, like, Time Warner people. Oh, is that the, the thing? Okay. Yeah, so it's, like, easy to get CNN people, because okay. if Time Warner's, like, your production company, you can you can get access to those people. So you're saying... And and they want to be in those. Of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just advertising for them. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Their exactly. personal brand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is that it's good that uh, like two corporations own everything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it makes this easier. No comment. Yeah. Uh, what do we think about um, the relationship with the dad? Like how that because that turns out to like they they want that to be the central thing for the Jodie Foster character. How did how did it play? It felt kind of brief. Yeah, like it wasn't there for very long. Yeah. Um, it felt authentic <clears throat> when it was on the screen. I maybe would have liked to have seen more of that and see more of her gain inspiration into astronomy, right? Yeah, like you're talking about like the cold open. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was like, that's good stuff. It's good to yeah. see someone discover their passion, right? I love that. It also, I think it's also, it's meant to, because they bring it back kind of like 30 minutes in or so, or 40 minutes in. When it gets all Electra, right? Because like... Well, so it's meant to show like her first like turn away from religion, right? Right. Because the, like, the priest comes up and he's like... Oh, you're I forget what he says. still in the flashback, yes. Yeah, I forget what he says to her, but he's like... Is that, he gave her like, a, this is all God's plan. Thing. Right, he's like yeah. very cold well, and after uncaring. The, after the father died. Yeah. yeah, and you can see her, like she literally like turns away from 
the priest. <clears throat> right. And it's like, this is the moment where, like, she kind of breaks from, or begins to, like, break from religion. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, that was clear. But the, the moment I was thinking of is when she, right before she hooks up with McConaughey for the first time, like, she smooches him right after he paraphrases her dad. <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Well, oh, this is kind of kind of an Electra situation <laughs> at this point." And then, like, there's a picture of him by your bed that they yeah, I did about. notice that. I was like, eh. "Yeah, it's like, oh, this is this is getting weird." Yeah. <laughs> that that's what I was thinking of, because um, that's like until he shows up at the end of the movie in alien form, like hologram form, right, or whatever the hell's going on. Uh, that's the last mention of him. I don't think there's anything between like that thirty minute point and yeah. And the end of the movie, and so that I think, we need, if that's supposed to be like the core, most important thing about this person, like I feel like that needed to be a little bit, we need a little more. Yeah, and yeah. I think it would have been more interesting than a lot of the other stuff they spent time on. Right. So right. If uh, only. So yeah, I was again kind of bumped with that because that's the other thing that I certainly remembered from my prior viewings is that the conclusion with her dad on the beach, like because it just looks so much different than the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, what did yeah. you think of that? ending um i feel like they could have done it without it looking so weird and they probably wanted it to look weird but like what do you, what, i didn't like the, that choice the the cake when they're figure? on the beach okay right because yeah. you can like very obviously tell that it's like green screened yes and like it was probably an intentional choice to make it look like strange it's constructed i think it was constructed, meant yes. to yeah. look like 90s conception of virtual reality Oh, yeah. it's yeah. very that. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, like these like heightened colors. Heightened colors. There's, yeah. uh, for whatever reason, it's always a beach. Yes. Yeah. It's very like beachy because I think it's meant to be like a pristine or... Something you escape well, to. You're simulating Relax. paradise, yes. right? What it, else would you want to be it's on? It's literally paradise. Yeah. A beach. Yeah. Um, but like for me, sitting here in 2018, it doesn't work. Uh, it just looks really strange and off-putting. Uh, and it's weird that it's so obvious that it's a green screen. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've changed our design language with how VR should look, so uh, I feel like we've moved past that sort of aesthetic. It doesn't age that well. I think the movie is also like very consciously channeling 2001 in, oh, yeah. in the wormhole oh, stuff yeah. and this, and I was like, it's like 2001, but they like did a 90s version of that where you're like, yeah. you're not in like the weird like chess room with the like ornate, Furniture and stuff, yeah. right? Instead, it's like a beach. Yeah, <laughs> 80s. Well, because I mean, VR it's supposed beach. to be like more friendly, whereas like the other one's supposed to be like extremely alienating and like yeah, perverse in a way. Right, but it, uh, the, hard to understand. The, yeah. the the effect is that you have like a a dumb version of two thousand one, right? Like that. That's yeah. My sense of that. I thought it was movie. kind of funny comparing two thousand one to this movie because like they're very similar movies as well. Yes. Um, but like this one's all about like how human society would react to it mm. and how it affects, you know, the people directly involved in it. Whereas two thousand one seems to feel like it's beyond humanity. It right. like doesn't give a shit about beyond the people because people are insignificant and don't matter anymore. Yeah. Here. Here it's like the aliens like want to talk to us directly, right. yeah. whereas like 2001 is like you can never talk to them because it's they're that far beyond you. Yeah, they're that far. Beyond yeah, but like in yeah. 2001, they like discover the alien monolith and it just cuts to them out in space. They don't talk anything about how society reacted to it mm -hmm. or how they decided who went on well, and to the mission or anything. They're just on the mission. Yeah. Well, this is like very concerned with the small politics of yeah, exactly of 
how that decision would even be made and like yeah it, yeah and that, and 2001 is like these, these silly human squabbles are so insignificant it doesn't matter right and you're going to be ascended to the next race well, anyway each method is fine right like it's fine to make a movie about yeah the, what happens here i just if they're going to engage with those political philosophical uh, sciencey questions like yeah. engage with them right like do something a well, little bit more interesting that's why i think like sphere is like a better version of this movie. But Sphere is written by Michael Crichton. I don't think I've seen that. I've never heard of that. Oh, well, <laughs> you should watch Sphere. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sphere's really good. Okay. And okay. Sphere deals with a very similar question of, like, if we made contact with yeah. aliens, like, how would we do that? And Sphere is, like, very explicit about, oh, well, this guy played by Dustin Hoffman was a scientist and he wrote a paper on, like, if we ever... Made aliens, we should have like these types of people. Okay. And then the government calls them and it's like, we found aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what do we do? It's like, read my and, paper. It's all right there. And uh, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. And uh, yeah, it's it's good. And it's a thriller. It's, it's Michael Crichton movie, so it's like a thriller. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Whereas like this one's just meant to be like a more of a drama than a thriller. Almost like a set yeah. of directions yeah. that like Sagan's yeah. writing out, where it's like if we if we ever like. If SETI ever works, he should do these things. That's what I see, yeah. And one thing that he's, he's very explicit about is the military is dumb. Yeah. Don't engage with, like, they should be, they should have, like, have a small seat at the table, but in general, they should be excluded from the conversation. Right. Instead, you should turn to private corporations. Yeah. Right? Like, that, is, yeah. that is what he's saying. Right. Um, which is a, a politic that, that has not aged well. Well, um, no, first they start with NASA, right? Right. It's very explicitly NASA. Yeah. And then Which also feels like very quaint at this point because NASA's been so like marginalized as an organization. <clears throat> right, we have the Space Force now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not NASA's fault, right? I mean that's uh, no, it's Republicans not, yeah. not right. wanting to fund NASA. Well, and Democrats like, happily, yeah. happily, everybody wants yeah. to take their money. Yeah, that that is true. Um, so yeah, I, I like I was waiting for. Like in that last scene with her dad or her pretend dad on the beach, like I was waiting for him to say something that would, you know, resonate, right? Or that would like tie something together for this character or like give her some sort of anything at all or something thematically within the film. And no. Yeah, I feel like it was a lot of platitudes and like just boring explanations of what's going on that aren't actual answers to anything. And like that was a that was a letdown. <laughs> was, yeah, that was it, a bummer. It didn't me. take any advantage of the fact that it was a figment of her father. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Right. It, it was a throwaway line, right? It was oh, we thought it would make you more comfortable. Yeah, which is like the it's lamest like, way to to handle that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that that does remind me though that the other two thousand one reference in that sequence it wasn't just the wormhole, although most obviously the wormhole, but they also have her floating in space in a fetal position. Shot mm -hmm. from the side, right? Like she looks a yeah. lot like Giant Space Baby sure. at, at the end of 2001, um, without any of the you know nuance or profundity. Uh, so well, and the other reason that they, they explain the beach part too, because it's like because at the beginning of the movie she like reaches Palm Beach with her radio, Pensacola, Pensacola, Pensacola. Yep. and the beach is supposed to be like, like oh, we scanned your brain, her imagination uh, of what yeah. Pensacola is. Yes, yeah, so I think she said downloaded my brain. Uh -huh. <laughs> in the, in the movie, we hack um, your brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, all right, um, but yeah, like so. That's the in-story reason why they're on the beach. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on um, on contact here? Well, I do want to bring up the mirror scene when her <coughs> father dies. Oh, okay. I think that's one of the coolest shots that I've I ever agree. seen. Cool. In a movie. I actually don't know how they did that. 
Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's probably just like two shots composite or something probably. like that. But like, that's the one scene from this movie that I'd seen before because it was posted uh, just like to highlight how cool it was. And I'm just blown away by it every time. I didn't expect it when I first saw yeah. it. I had no idea it was coming. And I was like, whoa, the, the man has to accomplish that. It's just, it's so cool. Yeah, I'd forgotten about it as well. And I, I, I remember sitting there for this viewing and like yeah. trying to piece together exactly what they did and right right i, no I was idea. tempted to like rewind and see if like yeah. you start to see the spots in the mirror at some point but right. I, didn't, I didn't do it but yeah, like so. i wonder if you could um although i do wonder like what purpose shooting the scene that way serves besides being cool yeah i don't know um it is memorable and sometimes yeah. that might be reason enough as long as that's not like the whole movie but yeah um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. It, there, it, there is a mirroring motif in the movie, like a, a visual motif, which we yeah, they do it a lot. Had talked about earlier, um, mm -hmm. but like we also talked about, I, I feel like they didn't really engage with it enough. Yeah, but yeah. So it was super <coughs> impressive. It's super cool, um, but it would have been nice if it engaged with more with a visual like theme of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Or and that, I mean, it does engage with the visual theme. Well, the visual like, theme doesn't engage it, with the, the textual theme. Yeah, there we <laughs> yeah. Go. Uh, I did know that there were a lot of cool, like, long shots early in the movie that they kind of stopped doing later in the movie. Um, like, you know, there's that initial shot where you're kind of zooming out and you're hearing the older and older signals, which I like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do the Deus Ex Machina, but for, for like, radio. Yeah. yeah, and you, like, zoom out all the way, like, beyond the universe. And, and then like, back into her eye. Yeah, and you yeah. kind of see, like, how grand and huge the universe is. Right. Uh, or Which like, is, I mean, the, the, that might be actually one of the more meaningful moments because, like, the the suggestion is that she is watching the universe with her naked eye, which is eventually what she ends up doing at the end of the film, whereas everybody else is watching it through a screen, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're watching a representation of it. Um, mm -hmm. And that there might be something there to that, um, and that that feels like it's more interesting than yeah. a lot of what this movie had to say. And I guess you kind of mirror the mirror scene when she first hears the signal mm -hmm. uh, and they, they have her like drive into the lab really quick, but they have her run through the entire lab and they just follow her, the back of her head That's the entire time. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah. so I guess that kind of calls back to the other scene, so these are like defining moments in her life. That's true, yeah. That's a good, that's a good spot, yeah. Uh, th that sequence had a, like some of the all-time great like tech gibberish dialogue, <laughs> right? Like they're just saying all these things that like clearly don't actually tie to any kind of real world technology or probably even anything in the story, but it was, they just like rattled it off so quick and I, I liked it a lot. That was good. Yeah, you get the texture of it. Right, yeah, because the actual meaning isn't important, but yeah, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Uh, we haven't talked about that. This was a, a Zemeckis movie. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I know that he directed some of your favorite yeah, he's, movies. he's the Back to the Future he's guy. I've looked at his IMDb after this, and like he has a lot of credits, like more than I remembered. Because like, he did Castaway, he did mm -hmm. all three of those Back to the Future movies. Mm -hmm. He did this one. Um, he did, oh, he had something else that was like he did all the weird CGI movies. Yeah, he did like Polar Express. He did all that and Forrest Gump. Right, he did Forrest Gump. Yeah. Um, so he's like. He had kind of hit after hit for a while there, especially yeah. around this era. I think he's petered out a bit recently. He has a movie coming out in like two weeks. Oh, really? Didn't know yeah. That. I thought he got hit by all those CGI movies and those all, like, every single one of them tagged. Oh, well, because they were, like, too expensive. And, and they like, look weird and weren't mm, very good. Yeah. 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 Um, no, but this, it, he, he did um, Welcome to Marwin. That's the one coming out in a couple weeks with Steve Carell. Oh, where, is that with the, with like, the puppets? Toys, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that looks like an Oscar bait. Yeah. Movie. 
it might be a little strange for the Oscar folks, but yeah. Shape of Water just won, so who the hell knows? I'm curious. It's also yeah. like, like Steve a movie that's like spoiled entirely <laughs> by the trailer. Yeah, yeah. It's just here's the whole plot of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Like the entire movie is in the trailer. Right. Yeah. Right. The, the the emotional climax is clearly just like the end of the trailer. Yeah. 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 I feel like after Back to the Future, though, if we track through um, Zemeckis's career, he feels like a kind of second-rate Spielberg. Well, I mean, that's like, not look, that looking much at, of a knock. <laughs> looking at all these uh, movies that you've listed, right? Well, let's see, because he's kind of started his career. He started his career with Romancing the Stone. I mean, this is a the, big one. Yeah, this was a big yeah. one. He did Who Framed Rod, Roger Rabbit during the Back to the Future run. Which was mm -hmm. huge. Yeah, which was huge and is mm -hmm. good. Forrest yeah. Gump was like the movie of the fucking decade for a while. Yes. Um, and then this after Forrest Gump and then a couple did years later. Did he do Apollo 13? A Castaway? No, he did not. I think that was Ron Howard. Yeah, you're That's right. That's why I would yeah, guess. Right. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he had a lot of. Even if they they're not necessarily movies that you're going to think of as like greats, they were like commercially successful and culturally significant. It, just in the sense that a lot of people watched them. Like everybody saw Forrest Gump, right? Like everybody saw Castaway, mm -hmm. and it's like yeah. most directors can't do that. Like, yeah, but uh, I'd say a, they're not. There's as a small like, category. They're not as lastingly good as the everybody saw Spielberg films. Right, right? I agree. They do, he does not have the longevity of like a Jurassic Park yeah. right, or something like that. But who does? <laughs> like, there's a yeah, reason. Only Spielberg. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Scorsese. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't, I, I don't want to knock him for that. Like, yeah, yeah you're not literally one of the greatest directors of all time that will live on timelessly forever. Like, okay, <laughs> fine. And he'll uh, probably still live on timelessly forever anyway. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Movies. Back to the Future really is one of those ones yeah. that people have held on to for years and years and yeah. still love. And still it, my it, second those are favorite. Great. Yeah. 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 They're, and they are great. Uh, Even the one that people don't like is good. The the Western one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people don't like two that much either. Cause really? It's weird. Yeah. Oh, no, two's good. Most people. I like. like I think I like one. two more than the others. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd have to watch them again, but I certainly remember liking it, with no, no doubt. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that Zemeckis is good, and that. We're right to like him. Um, Jake Busey's character I liked here. <laughs> he was, I think he's good at being like a creep. Like he doesn't like. <laughs> yeah, don't it was that. funny because I had just seen Starship Troopers a few weeks ago, and it was <laughs> these, the same year as this movie. These are his big two movies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's in like three or four scenes. Yeah. He doesn't have any lines. Like he has like off-camera lines, but right. like. Or like distant lines. So. Yeah, I think oh, it's, like, it's just his very recognizable face. Yeah. yeah, and like he has a good like evil guy <laughs> glare. Yeah, just like oh he's immediately suspicious. <laughs> Watch out for that guy. Uh, but yeah, he it, uh, he feels a little out of place because he's just kind of so cartoonishly yeah. sinister. Uh, but it's fun. Yeah. Again, that felt like more realistic than like the oh, really? McConaughey character. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, I, I feel like McConaughey fit. I just didn't like the fit. I didn't like that he fit in this movie. But as like a right-wing terrorist, this like again, I think I said it earlier. But it felt like his character felt more contemporary than McConaughey's. Right. Yeah. Because that's the real threat, right? Like the white guy with the bomb is what yeah, or, guy or whatever. Like, yeah. 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 With a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that like resonated with me like today much more than like most of the things in the movie did. Right. Um, That's Gary Busey's kid? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's, is he doing anything recently? Uh, you should read his uh, wiki page because it's funny. Oh, why? What is he doing? It's clearly written by Jake. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, Those are the best ones. And he, like, he describes himself as kind of like, uh, like he's interested in many 
Oh, Jesus. things. Okay. And acting is just oh. like one of his like things. everybody's interested in many things. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it means to be a person. <laughs> okay, Jake. Sure. Um, I think he was in something like very recently. I can't. Okay. Because that's why I looked up his wiki page. Um, but yeah, he had, he's had large gaps in his career. Well, whatever, he can live on the, the Gary Busey money. Sure it's <laughs> fine. All that Predator 2 cash. All that, yes, exactly, oh, yeah. on the Point Break cash. Yeah. Um, assuming we're not heinously over time, I thought not. it's also funny to compare this movie with Interstellar. I agree. That occurred to they me have well. a lot in common. Yes. Um, and I feel like they're both held back by their non-science sides. Right, because it's science. I guess the sense I get from both of them is that they're they're sciency people trying to do the arts, and like not getting it, like not yeah. doing it well. It's like right. if they just stuck to the sciency stuff, then like they'd be much better for them. Right, yeah. like Carl Sagan doesn't really have much to say about the philosophy of anything, and yeah. Chris Nolan doesn't understand what love is, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> well. I think Sagan's, I mean, his primary goal in life is just to get people interested in science. Right. So, like, here he's just trying to say, like, it's okay if you're religious and into science. Right. Mm -hmm. And, that, that's and what, then we shouldn't be, like, afraid of science. Th and that's why Cosmos is so much more effective than this movie. Yeah. Right? Because you're engaging with Carl Sagan as an actual person, not, mm -hmm. like, the, his construction of himself projected into this novel or, this, <laughs> yeah. of, or on screen, which is what the Jodie Foster character is but here. His, like... Elon Musk so worship is problematic like 18 yeah. or 20 years later where like we see that like the fact like not having a philosophy major in the room is like a bad I idea right right uh, and, and they, they do have lip service to that in this movie where she says they or it's McConaughey or, no, no yeah. they, she has the line they should have sent a poet um, yeah which okay but they also should have sent a poet to write this movie that's <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, not what happened <laughs> and there's no poetry to this film I, I, that, uh, that's what I feel like and that's a bummer yeah. the, uh, the, the Sorkin comparison makes sense there I like I think it's planes, trains and automobiles where movie. they like it's a good movie where they're like they keep coming back to like well <laughs> like everything sucks and then someone will always pipe up and say like Actually. But, but video games are good, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they keep talking about how video games keep getting better. <laughs> oh, was that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? No, it's... Um, that was something else. It's like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, though. I, I don't know what movie you're talking about, but Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is fantastic. It is a good movie. And one of the few Thanksgiving movies. <laughs> like, there aren't that many Thanksgiving movies, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is one of them. I think it's either like a Robin Williams movie or something. But anyway, it's like a funny throwaway line that they keep coming back to because he's like, the main character is like very depressed. It's the late 80s. Like everything okay. was falling apart. And he keeps talking about how it's like everything is going to hell. And everybody keeps countering with like, well, video games video are getting better. Getting better. <laughs> Which is true. Still true to today. Yeah. <laughs> video games are, are getting better. Um, yeah. Like th this movie doesn't have that kind of thing. Like, I mean, it needs that person in the room to be right. like, Hey, everything sucks. <laughs> right. Because yeah. this is like written by the video games are getting better person. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like here's here's the bright side with no nuance to it. No. Like no yeah. point to it. Cause, I mean, they didn't have anything at that time, right? That was like going poorly, right? Yes. <laughs> tech tech was great, and was going to solve all our problems. Yep. Yep. Until the bubble bursts. Yeah. Which is, which is what happened. Um, any closing thoughts on 
in contact. I think I, I might have pulled the the trigger no, a little I mean, earlier there. I still like the the science half of the movie. Agreed. The mis it, it's like a mystery half of the yeah. movie. Like that's what's compelling about it. Is that it's a mystery. Yeah. Story. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. That that part, which is why Arrival is so much better because it's just that. Right. It's like they that. they cut out. There's no McConaughey character. Or I guess it's the. Um, Hawkeye guy, yeah, <laughs> but he like doesn't do, do anything during the actual movie, and like that's part of the movie, him not being involved, like capable, yeah, and it, it, they just focus so much more on like her ability to figure the thing out, right, and so you get this sense of her competence, which this movie yeah. steals from Jodie Foster, yeah. with the, as you pointed out, and you get the sense of like us being along with her as she's solving this thing, whereas th th this movie like. Gives that very short shrift, and it's much more concerned with like, can we have McConaughey say something about how she can prove she loves her dad, which is a dumb, stu uh. stupid question, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was a bummer to me. Hope <laughs> uh, you, Crossman. Any, any last thoughts? I, I like this movie. I, I I'm glad really, you really really enjoyed it. Okay, I, I, I certainly don't want to take that from anybody. So if yeah. I know this movie has many fans, so if you are counting yourself among them, good. More people liking more movies is a good thing. So go, go, go like this movie. Great. All right. So we'll be back in a second with, uh, with Things We've Seen. Stay tuned. Uh, welcome back to Things We've Seen segment. This is where we talk about things that we've recently watched, usually in theaters or, you know, just more contemporary stuff usually. Um, Wilson, what have you watched recently? Um, I've seen a bunch of stuff, but the one that was the weirdest and most alarming was Suspiria, uh, which I saw last weekend, and I think was opening weekend. Uh, so this is the remake of the 1977 Italian horror classic about uh, the young girl from America who moves to Berlin to become a dancer at this famous dance studio. And it turns out that the dance studio is run by witches. <laughs> and <laughs> they do witch stuff for the rest of the movie. Um, so the 1977 film is more of a straight horror slasher movie for the most part. Lots of big colors, very much of its era. The more recent remake, um, directed by uh, Guadagnino, who's the same guy that did um, Call Me By Your Name, <laughs> I think this is his follow-up to Call Me By Your Name, um, is much more of an art house movie. So it's this, it, it, it feels like this year's mother in that it is pitched as a conventional horror type movie, like look at the trailer, that's what it looks like, but it's actually much artier and it's gonna like annoy conventional horror fans. Um, it follows a similar plot in that Dakota Johnson um, is coming to 1977 Berlin now, so it's a period piece taking place at the time when the original movie was made, which mm -hmm. is intentional. Um, and she tries out for this witch dance studio and is uh, immediately catapulted to the top of the ranks there. And it goes from there. The difference, there are a lot of differences between this film and the 1977 version. This one is much more explicitly politically aware of what's going on. Um, so you have, it takes place during the German autumn, which was a period in 1977 Berlin when leftist the activists kidnap, er, kidnapped a former SS officer who was currently head of some government agency in Berlin and also uh, abducted passengers on a, a, a plane and many of them ended up dying, and it was this huge dramatic standoff. And that event is playing in the background of this movie throughout its lengthy runtimes, a good, like, 220. Um, so this movie is largely concerned with 
mostly concerned with guilt. Like that, this movie is really about how we negotiate guilt on an individual level and also on a social level. So the most obvious way that this functions here is Germany's national guilt for having allowed the Holocaust to happen, which is a central part of one of the main characters' problems in this, in this film. It gets at that by using a lot of Jungian themes about the shadow self and about like what we're concealing underneath the uh, pleasant exterior that we present to the, the, the world around us. So you have Berlin split in half. You know, you have the East and West, the good and the bad. You have the presentation of this uh, high-class dance studio that is actually, you know, worshiping Satan and executing human sacrifices and, and things like that. Um, you have the, the film itself is split into uh, three acts and an epilogue. So you have threes on either side it's split in the middle, much like the, the, the city itself that it takes place in. The most famous scene in the movie was the one that caused numerous audience members, and I think it was Sundance, to leave the theater halfway through very angry or vomit in their seats. Um, the sequence in question happens about halfway through the, or not halfway through the film, about 30 minutes into the film. Uh, Dakota Johnson is asked to, to perform some dance. She does the dance. In the meantime, in the, on the floor below her, below her character, there is another dancer who was recently uh, cast out of the studio and her body is, against her will, tossed around this room of mirrors and mutilated. And it's very explicit and very gruesome, but not frivolous. Right? It's, it clearly plays back into this theme of doubles and of the, the, the horror being hidden by the, the beauty. Um, it's a fascinating film. I liked it a lot. Um, there's a lot to be unpacked here. I think a lot of audience members will be unhappy with it. Um, conventional audiences won't like that it has this really gruesome, horrific, almost torture scene 30 minutes into it that is really difficult to watch. Like one of the hardest things I've had to view, period, <laughs> just in general. And I think conventional horror fans won't be a fan of like the weird artsy shit that happens for the bulk of the rest of the movie. Um, that said, I thought it was great. Um, and I think that, that uh, Luca Guadagnino's film from here on out are really just required viewing. Like he has shown himself to be such a versatile director um, that y y you have to check out what he's doing at this point. Um, so if you think you can stomach it, um, I recommend Suspiria, but it, it's quite literally not for the, the, the faint of heart or faint of stomach, because um, it's, a, it's a tough watch for that, like, you know, three or four minutes when that scene happens. So Yeah, I'm not sure if I can handle that kind of... Yeah, I, I feel like you, you probably can't, um, yeah. but if you think you can, or if you're comfortable, like, looking through your fingers... Um, Check it out. It's a it's a really fascinating movie. I liked it a lot. Uh, what did you see, Charles? Uh, I saw. We've already talked <coughs> about this one a little bit, but I saw First Man. Oh yeah, uh, what did you think? One that I've been meaning to get around to. Um, I would call it fine. Yeah. I give it a shrug. <laughs> uh, that's as much as I can say. So like, I <laughs> am in this movie mainly for the science side of it. The like the the different projects that NASA had to execute in order to get people to the moon. Right, and like this movie is also interested in telling Neil Armstrong's story, and I'm less interested in that aspect of it, but unfortunately, that's what the movie is. Um, and so they kind of average out between really cool, like rocket scenes mm -hmm. and less interesting, like home life scenes. So that averages out to a shrug to me, I guess. <laughs> um, but it makes me wish that I'd caught this film on IMAX. 
It's supposed to be good on IMAX. I didn't see it. That's IMAX what I either. heard, but yeah. uh, it had already been out of the Lincoln Square IMAX theater, so I was a little sad to find that uh, delayed too long. Because uh, I think all the like rocket scenes and when he's like on the moon are supposed to be in that IMAX footage. Yes. I think that would be incredible, and I'm sad I missed out on that. I think it only cuts to IMAX for those. Right, which but is, like, that's what you do it for. Which, right, which is such a good choice. Right, like when he's finally free of his yeah. grief and you know Earth, like he can you know sure. see the big thing. Right. Do they acknowledge the like human calculators? No. No, 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 the, it's really all about Armstrong. You get a little bit of Aldrin and like some of his cohorts, but it's kind of laser focused now. Have we learned nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I talked about this movie a couple weeks ago, and like my problems are adjacent to what you're mentioning here. So, yeah. yeah. They're so integral to the story, and to leave them out again post their <clears throat> movie is. Yep. Oh, hidden those, figures. That was yeah, yeah. yeah. Hidden figures was about the um, was about John Glenn. Yeah, but they were still involved with these Probably. missions, right? Probably. I don't know. It wasn't in the movie. Okay. <laughs> How the hell would I we know? We won't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they worked for NASA for a while, so it seems pretty likely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, right. it's just yeah. his. <laughs> yeah. His like. But, the, but that's highlighted by the ideology of the movie, right? It's a pretty conservative film. Okay, yeah, cool. His human plot just felt very boilerplate. Like, I'm not sure how true it was or, like, if it was reflective of Neil Armstrong's personality, but it's like, okay, like, his daughter died and he has to contend with his grief and do his job, and it's like, sure, all right. Right, and I, I think like, it's fine to tell those kind of, like, simple, common human stories, right? Like, yeah. I think that it, there is space for that in cinema. Um, but you have to be careful where you situate that. And yeah, and like it didn't yeah. feel that effective to me. And I don't know how much of that is because they portrayed him as relatively emotionless. And I'm not sure if that's how he actually was. Uh, so that <laughs> might just be like you know unfortunate that they had to be faithful to his story and that that made it less effective. But that's part of why it wasn't like sold to me. Is just he felt so emotionless most of the movie. I mean, I, I think I think I, I probably liked. Um, Gosling's performance a little more than you did. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I saw some more emotion going on underneath. The, right. I mean, he had a few yeah. scenes where he's extremely emotional, but throughout the most of the throughout most of the movie, he seems like his drive personality almost, where he's just kind of oh, emotionless and just kind of standing. Do there. they play yeah. college on the? Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I wish. Hey, I was reminded of that movie as well. Love Drive, um, but Drive's way better than the first man. So Drive's a great right, movie. Right. Maybe go watch that. Yeah. Um, but. I do want to talk about the the space scenes and how Please, well they were they're done. They're great, yeah. Because like it's interesting. Well, I mean, we talked about how it's interesting to situate them inside the rocket because yeah. it's terrifying. Um, the sound direction is super impressive. Um, <clears throat> all the like creaking noises of the metal. Uh, it it really reminded me like of the engineering challenge of going to space because sure. like you know the materials will warp because of the heat and the cold and all that. And you have to make sure they don't fucking fall apart when you go yeah. to space, right? And they're creaking while. <laughs> <clears throat> he's like being launched into space and it's so scary. Yeah, right? it's like, oh, is this going to just fly open? Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly, yeah. right? Or like when Apollo 1 went wrong, right? And I know the that's history... The, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I know the history of Apollo 1, so like when they were going into the test, I knew what was about to happen. I'm like, oh God, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for the thing to happen. And it just seems like such a small little mishap, just a little like circuit yeah. or like a little wire isn't secured and it sets off the whole fire. It's terrifying. Yeah, because yeah, I did not know, like, I don't know that much about the history of the space program. So I had no idea that that was going to happen with the, in the movie. That's most and, of what I knew. I knew that yeah. Apollo 11 was when they first landed on the moon. I knew that Apollo 1, there was a tragic fire and the astronauts died. Right. 
Oh, I was thinking of a different. Th I, I was thinking of when it was. One was when they all. Died. I know, but they're yeah. thirteen. It's the other one that like everybody yeah. knows about. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's but there was the one um, moment when it was Gosling and his friend in space, and like that something. The Gemini Eight mission. Yeah, like that was the the most terrifying moment in this film for me. Like, that too. Yeah, they're yeah. spinning out of control. They're about to pass out. They're stuck in this little thing. Right. Um, the thrusters don't seem to be working. Yeah, his his partner actually did pass out. Yeah. 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 So he like has to write this ship in space. Right. Yeah, and that's like, when I feel like I really learned the most about the kind of person. Yeah. Uh, you have to be to be an astronaut. You have to be able to handle that kind of situation where you're inches away from death, and you have to like. I think that was the one where he had to do a bunch of pencil math to figure some stuff out. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, on the spot while he's yeah. like barreling out of control in space, and that was super impressive to me. Yeah, I I was down on this movie before when I talked about it, but it is worth seeing for those sequences. Like they're really well done. Um, yeah, I, I think it speaks to Chazelle's strength as just like a technical director, like that he can put that stuff together. It's not yeah. easy. Yeah. So. And it's cool to be on the moon. It is cool to be on the moon. I imagine I've never been there, but yeah. Well, you know, they they kind of put you in his feet <laughs> yes. there in a literal sense. Yeah, it was um, that th those parts worked really well. Yeah, and it was pointing to see the aftermath of it when they showed the news reports of like how the entire world tuned mm -hmm. in. To cure America on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it, it was cool to see how it kind of brought the world together and let us kind of look to the skies instead of at each other, yeah. you know? Yeah, certainly as presented. So, yeah, some, some positive stuff, some negative stuff averages out to a mediocre movie. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Well, you, Crossman, what do you see? Uh, I watched. I, I rewatched the movie Blade. Okay. Um, right. Blade's a favorite of mine from when I was a teenager, and I wanted to like see if it like held up. Um, and compared to like <clears throat> comic book movies of today, like how it kind of <laughs> plays out, mm -hmm. I gotta say Blade is so cool. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's, it's great. It's <laughs> it, it's awesome for. So many reasons. Um, Blade as like a character played by Wesley Snipes is so cool. Like Wesley Snipes in this movie kills it. Where it's like this is a character that like really defines like j just like coolness of the era. And even now he feels like he's so much more magnetic than like most Marvel characters and he is a marvel what character year did this first one come out 98 or 9 i feel like maybe 2000 that sounds all right i'll check that but you period, keep going yeah um it's very of its time it starts with like a techno concert the, like an underground techno concert oh like in the matrix yes <laughs> yes yes but it does it way cooler because it turns <laughs> out that everybody at the underground concert is a vampire and so the film the cold Wait, open they play rammstein no, but they play like um, like Liquid Method or yeah. like you know whatever like cool techno sure. music of the time is. Um, cold open of the film is this woman is like convincing this guy to like come to this like rave with her, and it, it, the rave is like you walk through like a um, uh, you you know like a butcher in Brooklyn or something, and they're like they're in this like very tiley area, and then. All of a sudden, all the the fire like spigots like open up, and instead of water, like all this blood comes out, and it turns out everybody in the rave is a vampire, and everybody's <laughs> just like covered in blood, and they're like Damn. they're all dancing, and this guy is like clearly in danger. 
Blade shows up. And, kicks ass. And immediately, very graphically, kills all of these vampires. And they... It, it sets... It's just like, whoa. Like, it's so jarring, because it's like... So out there in a way that like Marvel movies are just like not now like Marvel movies feel like yeah. very normy and like um, they are yeah they're yeah. they're incredibly like ex- they're you know they're very in line with like the CIA and it's like Im- like very much like imperial power of, of the U mm. of the US is like one of the things that they're reinforcing Blade does not do that at all like the it, they're very explicit in the film that the police are controlled by the vampires, and the, you, you see like a, a policeman who's like a, um, he's he's like a, uh, like a courier for a vampire, and Blade like kills those police, <laughs> 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 and, and, and they're like uh, Chris Christopherson is like his like tech guy, and they're always Chris, like Christopherson, is yeah, in this movie. and okay. he's excellent in it. Of course, he's so good. He's like he plays yeah. an old grizzled guy. He is an old person. And his family was uh, killed by vampires. So he's like, okay. they're they're driven by like real things. Yeah. Like Blade's mother was killed by a vampire. Chris Christopherson's family was killed by a vampire. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they're out. This is a revenge film. Mm-hmm. And they want revenge in cold blood. And, and they get it. And they get it. And it's so cool. Like, okay. Well, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I've, it's you should watch it and like really contrast it with like Marvel movies of today, mm-hmm. and it holds up really well. It reminds um, me of when people were talking about how Black Panther is like the first comic book hero in film, and they're like, "Hey, you forgot about Blade." Yeah, that's the first black hero. You mean that? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I meant to say. Yeah. And I think Blade engages with that stuff like way better than than Black Panther does. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Uh, you know, he's an antihero in a way that's like very engaging, and he. Um, you know, to have like it's to have him as like a black person leading an action film Kill where he's like cops. killing white people <laughs> <laughs> and making it, it it's like really yeah I don't know that's like that's like very out there even for today like you don't see that yeah and it fits with uh, the classic like kind of class dynamic of the vampire story right yeah sure yeah yeah and uh, Stephen Dorff is the <clears throat> lead vampire and he plays this kind of like bratty vampire kind of like bucks the like old guard of the vampires um, and he plays it great he's such like a a jerk who's like <laughs> not interested in like the, the old vampire ways he's like casting that off and like there's so much like weird gross and cool stuff in the movie and there's some CGI that like doesn't hold up very well but it's like a low budget action film and it, for what it had, it, like, um, it's awesome. Also, uh, Wesley Snipes as a martial artist, like, really, like, goes a long ways. Yeah. Whereas, like, the guys who are now playing, like... <clears throat> not, um, they're not doing their stunts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, Captain America's not, like, you know, doing, like, a cartwheel yeah. kick into, like, somebody's face. And, like, Wesley Snipes is, like, doing that on film, and yeah. he's the one that's actually doing it. Um, Good. And I think, like, that sort of practical filmmaking... They're just not doing with the Marvel films. They're all just shot on green screens. Sun actors do everything, or CGI does everything. It doesn't help that the, a lot yeah. of the Marvel characters are just superhuman in their strength, and so there's no like groundedness to their abilities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Blade is like, you know, he kind of plays the line. Like he's like his human characteristics are are definitely like his downfall. Um, like all of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- there's a complexity to the film that I think. You know, we just don't get with like other comic book films, and 
I like highly recommend this film. It's it's excellent, actually. Okay. Yeah. Right on. I I'll, I'll put it on the list. Yeah. Um, what are we doing to to close out Sci-Fi Month? Yeah. Um, I would like to do Waterworld. Okay. Great. Are we gonna re re redeem it? Right, because it's one of the most maligned films. Let's find out. Let's find out. Okay, <laughs> great. So thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you're liking the show, please share it with folks. Please tell your friends and family. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. And join us next week for Waterworld. <laughs>